0: Three-liner to England today, in the middle of July 1942, and you had been wanting to go to London your whole life, you would have refused, because you knew how treacherous that trip is. But some people signed up to go to London because they wanted to protect these convoys of soldiers and materials and supplies that were the only source of England's even food at times. When you're an island nation, you are dependent upon those kind of things. So to protect the convoys, they came up with a system of escorts. These escorts were destroyers and what are called corvettes, Um, warships, which were smaller, much more agile, and and could get get around quick. And on these ships, they had specialists. They had radar specialists, sonar specialists, and they even had HFDF specialists. And those of you that don't know what that means, I didn't. It's a high-frequency distance... Finder. And what it would do is this HFDF would pick up radio signals that were done on a different scale than American radio signals, and that would tell them within a certain distance how far out an enemy U boat was, which we all know as a submarine. But that only worked when the U boat was above. Water. Just like radar on these ships could give them a bearing or where that enemy was based on when they were above water. But the difference with U boats versus other boats was they could go underwater and be indistinguishable. You couldn't see them. So these U boats had a a method. They would stay underwater during the day so that ships and um, aircraft couldn't see them. And at night they would come up to play, not really to play, but to attack convoys. And these U-boats would come in together in a wolf pack, is what they called themselves, which is very interesting If you're seeing a lot of parallels to the Christian walk, which is why I'm using this example, they call this in German Rudel Taktik. That's a wolf pack apparently in German. And so the wolf pack, just like a wolf pack in the wild, sleeps in the day, but comes out at night to find prey. So they also had sonar. Sonar is the ship sends out a signal, and when it hits an object, it bounces back. Or they're also listening for the propeller of the U-boat. And based on research that they did, they were able to figure out if they heard this sound at a certain frequency, then that means it was that far away, and they could figure out where a, a submarine was underwater. So none of us want to go to London in July 1942 because submarines were so dangerous. But to fight that, the United States, mainly with England had figured out ways to keep the wolf pack at bay. Yet, in the Battle of the Atlantic, 3,500 ships were sunk. 3,500. That's incredible, the amount of weight that's sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Over 72,000 people perished. On the way there, soldiers, uh, naval people, just regular people going across who are manning the ships that got sunk, and in U-boats only, over 53,000 people died. That's incredible to think there were that many. So you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with spiritual gifts? Maybe my analogy is not good enough. (laughs) But I don't think so, because this next gift that we're talking about this morning is the distinguishing or discerning of spirits. And so I've entitled my message this morning, Know Your Lurking Enemy know your lurking enemy because the discerning of spirits is a gift that is given so that we will know when what we're understanding and hearing what we're seeing whether it is of God or of the devil who it really is coming from because because just because it's a believer in our body that speaks it does not necessarily mean that it is true. Remember, Jesus rebuked Peter. What did he say? He said, Get behind me, Satan. I'm not saying that you need to walk around, <laughs> if God gives you the spirit of discernment, start telling people to get behind you because they're Satan. Okay? It's the only time in Scripture that we see that, and we don't actually see it in anywhere else. But Jesus discerned. What Peter was saying was of Satan, not of God. And just previously, what did he tell Peter? When Peter said, you are the Son of God, he said, you did not come to this knowledge on your own. It is by God that you know this. So Peter, he had good discernment in knowing that Jesus was the Son of God, God in the flesh. But when it came to his death on a cross, he didn't. He was thinking from the flesh, not from the Spirit of God. So this idea of distinguishing or discerning, it's discerning between two. That's why we have the first two letters, D-I. That is a, most often, the the D-I-S is kind of a use of showing two. So, If you have two, what do we say when there's two of something? We use the the Greek die. This word is coming from the Greek. And this word is the idea of being able to distinguish between one layer and the other. In Job chapter 37 verse 16 it is used to describe the layers of the clouds this same word in the septuagint so it is a distinguishing being able to see the difference between the two and why would this be so important for the christian life and i will tell you why we're at war This is not peacetime. It's never since the coming of Christ. We have not been at peace. We have been at war because the devil is going about like a roaring lion seeking to kill, steal, and destroy you. To destroy us as a church. To destroy you individually. To destroy your family as a husband that you guide. As a mother, the children that you are guiding. The devil only wants to destroy us. He doesn't care how it works. He'll do everything he can. And he is not below or above, depending on how you look at it, cheating. Right? He doesn't care yeah, make a, let's make a treaty with the devil. See how that works out. England figured that out with Hitler. Let's just appease him. Let's appease him because then he'll stop. No, eventually the devil will encroach on your own territory. You say, oh, it's okay. He's just bothering these other people. No big deal. No, he's coming for you. And so this is why we need to be able to distinguish between what is of God and what is of the devil. And that's why I believe it's listed here. It's not, it shouldn't be like this minor spiritual gift in our body. It should be up there because we need to distinguish spirits in all areas, whether it's miracles, prophecy, prophecy words of knowledge words of wisdom speaking in tongues with interpretation we need that in this church we need that in our daily lives so to to relegate distinguishing of the spirits to a lower level of christian spirituality is honestly suicide could you imagine if one of those destroyers going out said you know what We could be so much faster if we took the radar out and we took the sonar out because we would be so much lighter. We could just get around all over. Would that make sense? No, because then they would not be able to know where their enemy was. Yes, those radar machines were heavy and the sonar machines were heavy. The HFDF machines were heavy. So... It could have helped their speed, but it would have diminished their ability to defeat the enemy and likely would have led to their imminent death. Because that submarine could have got up right underneath and just shot a torpedo and done. They're, they're down. They're out. They can't, they can't even protect the people that they're supposed to be there to protect. So why do we need this because we're at war? And why is it so important? Well, look with me at John 1 John chapter 4. So beyond the fact that we're at war, what does scripture say? So John chapter 4 verse 1 says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test the spirits. Don't, don't just believe everything that you see or you read because it's not necessarily from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There's plenty of false people out there prophesying in the name of God but are not of God. Just think about this. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 22? Maybe we should just go look at it. What do you think? Let's go look at it. Not necessarily planned in this order, but I think we should because 1 Kings is a prime example of false prophets. Chapter 22. So Ahab and Jehoshaphat, the most unlikely of partners, mainly because Jehoshaphat actually had a relationship with God, and Ahab was married to the most wicked woman chronicled in the Bible, if not in history. She hated God with every bit of her being. So it's no wonder her husband didn't care what God had to say. So they had asked prophets, oh, should we go up to Ramoth-Gilead? And this is what they had replied in verse 12. All the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Oh, great. Wow, that's a powerful prophecy. Let's... Take our church up to Ramoth Gilead and win. Right? Sounds great. Verse thirteen. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Which king? Ahab. Please let your word be like the word of them and speak favorably. What's this messenger trying to do? He's trying to get Micaiah to say what he wants him to say. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I shall speak. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, Go up and succeed. The Lord will give it in the hand of the king. What? Micaiah, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you telling the truth? Then the king said to him, I don't think this is the same king. I think Jehoshaphat has discernment given him by God and he knows that he's lying. I I don't think it's the same king. I don't know. But, how many times, verse 16, must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said to me, These have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that you would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Jehoshaphat, why did we call him? He always says bad things about me. He doesn't love me. He never tells me things I want to hear. And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven This is such an interesting scene. It's like we're at the throne room of God. And all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. The Lord said, Who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? Wow. What a picture. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, how? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Is it possible that some of these prophets had actually spoken truth before? Maybe. I don't know. But this time, this spirit came upon them and they began to speak uniformly favorable words about this battle that it would be for his good. And then he said, the Lord said, you are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. And this is Micaiah at the end. Now, therefore, behold... The Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. And the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. It reminds me, you know, we said this about prophecy, not all that claims to be prophecy is prophecy. Not all that claims to be a miracle is a miracle. Not all that claims to be healing is healing. Well, U-boats had a tactic to keep people from figuring them out. And the Germans called it a Murfer, Werfer. I don't know how to say it. But it's a cylinder like this that's filled with calcium hybride. And when it, they would put it in the, the torpedo tube and shoot it out behind the chip, the, the submarine, and it would, the calcium hybride, when it got in there, would throw out hydrogen bubbles and it would cause it to spin like a propeller. And so when the sonar guys were listening for the ship, they would hear this and they would think that it was the submarine. So then they would have their bearing based on that decoy, that false signal that they're getting. And when they would get close, they would throw their depth charges over at that device and it would do nothing Why? Because the enemy has left a decoy so that they could get away or maybe even they could get around and get a a shot on the ship by sending out the decoy. But there were some sonar techs that were so good at listening, they knew the exact sound of a submarine um, propeller and they knew the sound of this pill and wafer, as they were called, that they could discern between the real submarine and this decoy. Because they were trained. They understood that there was this decoy out. And so these decoys, while they were useful in the beginning, as sonar techs became better and better listeners, they could discern between the two. I think that idea translates to the Christian walk. We we need to learn to discern as well. We need to be discerning. There's actually a a verse, and I've forgotten to write it down, but uh, talking about us uh, building up ourselves in discernment, being able to discern more and more as we grow in the christian walk. So back to 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. So there's pl- plenty of false prophets in the world. And it's not just old testament. There are new testament false prophets. How many times does Paul in his epistles warn the church of wolves who are coming in to ravage the flock? He tells Timothy that. He tells the Ephesian church that in the book of Acts. There's a wolf pack coming and they want to destroy the church because they know if they can separate a few people, they can destroy them. The convoys were more, were safer together than apart. They realized that early on in the war. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. So we need to be discerning and This gift of discernment is for the common good, remember? It is distributed by the Spirit to whomever it will. And this Spirit may be in conjunction, and I wouldn't be um, surprised if it was in conjunction with someone who has the gifts of miracle, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, so that you may discern when it is the Lord speaking to you and when the devil is trying to get you to move in your own fleshly desires like Peter did because the gifts of the spirit are to be judged and weighed remember we talked about that in first Corinthians chapter 14 and 26 we are to weigh prophecy we're to weigh it and to discern what is true or turn with me real quick to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21 we've we've looked at this before but examine everything carefully What's he talking about? He's talking about prophecy. Remember, we, we read, do not despise prophetic answers, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So we need to examine it. We need to test it. We need to know, is this from God? Is this prophecy from God? Is this miracle from God? Is this, is this healing from God? Is this word of knowledge from God? this word of wisdom you're to discern whether what i'm saying is of god or or of this world if what i say is not in line with god's word it should be alarming you your radar and sonar should be going off and we need to be trained in discernment i believe the church as a whole should have discernment but i think there's a special gift that is given that that's what Paul's talking about here I'm not going to lose this analogy of the battleship or the destroyer when we talk about the following passages in verses 12 and following because I think the analogy is so true Because of the fact that we're at war. That's why the Spirit is so important. Because we are at war. We need each of us to be moving in the functions that God has given us. Imagine if the radar tech and the sonar tech decided to flip places. The radar tech, he's great at reading the radar and saying, Okay, this is exactly this far. And it's in that bearing such and such. But what about the the sonar tech? He comes up and he's like, "What is this? I have no idea. My my ears are trained, but my eyes aren't trained to do that." And then the 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 radar tech comes out and he's like, "All I hear are bubbles. I don't know what this guy's crazy. How does he hear anything?" Right. So each of these men have been trained specifically for the purpose for which they are serving. And that is what the church is. We are all called to be used. Neither the sonar tech nor the radar tech are of greater value. They both have their place and their use. At some times, the sonar tech is more necessary than the radar tech, and at other times, the opposite. At night, the radar tech is very important because these subs aren't afraid of being sighted, so they're running at full speed on the top of the water. The radar tech is great. At, at night and during the day, that sonar tech is far more important because these ships, these U-boats are going underwater. So there's, depending on the time of day, they each have a role. And in the same thing in the church... There will be seasons when we will see, I believe, when the Spirit begins to move in the way that we're preaching about, that some gifts will be more evident than others. But they're all important. And so, yeah, we may be seeing more prophecy or something, more healing in one area. But those other things should be functioning at the same time. But I'm preaching ahead of myself. <laughs> so do we see examples of this? Or, or is it really possible that our enemy could deceive us? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 7. So as many people, when they start seeing signs and wonders and prophecy... They automatically assume it's of the Lord. And I'm not saying we despise them, but we should test them, examine them. Because Matthew 7 verse 21 says, So this is the Lord speaking, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did not did we not prophesy in your name?" What you mean? These people prophesied in the name of the Lord, and in your name perform many. I think that's a mistranslation. Are we sure it's miracles? Really? They. No, I think that's. I think it's a wrong. No, it's actually the right word. They they haven't messed up. Perform many miracles. So they've. Sorry, I I I skipped demons. Sorry. (laughs) I, I looked over. In your name, cast out demons. Really. So these. People seemingly were filled with God's Spirit, were experiencing prophecy, casting out demons and miracles, and they still did not make it. Now, it would seem they were working, whether they realized it or not, undercover. They didn't realize That it was not God working through them, but another spirit. It is so easy for us as believers to be deceived if we're not being led by the Spirit, if we're not discerning what is going on. How many of us have seen people walk away from the Christian walk because? They found some new Christian fad. Yes. Or they saw these miracles at some revival. And I'm not down, downing legitimate revivals. But they ran off to this new church because they're having seeming revival. And I'm not saying they did I don't know the situations. But what I'm saying is there are many revivals I use quotation marks that were not revivals. People weren't going there to follow God. They were going there to see signs and wonders. A revival will turn people to God, not to some leader, some church, particularly. Yeah, a church may grow. But it will turn people to Christ. It will transform form hearts because they will see their sin. And when the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow, the sin of the church will be exposed. And those who come will be exposed. So we see discernment is so important because just because... Even we think we're casting out demons in the name of the Lord. We, if we're not moved by the Spirit, could be false prophets, false workers of miracles, and not even make it. So we need to be discerning. We need this gift of discernment in our church because that discernment could help our church when a false teacher or a wolf in sheep's clothing shows up when that submarine decides to sneak in under the cover of night so that it can begin to sink ships in our midst. The, the gift of discernment we see in, in the ministry of Christ. In John 1.47 Nathanael comes to the Lord, and what does Jesus say? He says, in you, there is no spirit of guile. Like, And then He tells him where he came from, underneath a tree. That's discernment. He knew that in him, there was no guile. Or, in Mark 2, verse 8, it says that Jesus in His spirit perceived, that the Pharisees, or the scribes, questioned in themselves. Now, last time I checked, that is not a human ability, despite what Superman comics tell you. Which, I don't know, can Superman read minds? I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, see, I don't know comic books very well, but I'm sure there's some superhero that can read minds, supposedly. But guess what? The spirit his spirit perceived. Guess what? In the New Testament, the spirit of Christ is always related and is the spirit the Holy Spirit. It's referring to that. Every time you see a reference of that, you see it them aligned together especially in the writing of Paul, which is pretty interesting to think about. So the Holy Spirit within Christ perceived, discerned, that they were questioning in themselves, inside them. They weren't speaking it out loud. They weren't whispering it. Like that. No. No. He read their minds by the Spirit, not by human ability. So we see the Spirit moving. Many people want to say, well, this discernment only affects and is only speaking about prophecy. I I disagree. I think Paul is actually applying it to every gift that precedes it. I think that's why it's the last in that list before tongues and interpretation of tongues. I think tongues and interpretation is last because that was the gift that the, the Corinthians thought was the most spiritual. And what's God saying through Paul? He's saying that all gifts are of equal value in the church. They each have their, their purpose So, how does this affect us as a church? How, how, how should we experience this in our church? Well, let's let's give some examples. And I, I take these examples from uh, Renewal Theology, the the book that I mentioned. He has some really good examples. And let's let's look first at the human aspect. Our discerning of human activity the spirit that we have within us, it says so for example let's let's say someone came here this morning with anxiety and heaviness, and the spirit desired to move, but this anxiety and heaviness is is keeping that person from entering in and and moving by the spirit and and it's causing a a uh, I'm going blank. A hindrance to the Spirit. So, God could put it on someone in this church's heart. Hey, so-and-so is experiencing heaviness and anxiety. We need to minister to that. <coughs> or it may be, I, I, the Lord may say... To, you, to say, I, I sense that someone in this body is sensing heaviness and anxiety this morning. We need to deal with it so that the spirit can flow. That person that came in, they may not even realize that they're, they're under a spirit of heaviness and, and anxiety. And when that discernment is spoken to the body, that person is able to be ministered to, and then the church is encouraged and The body begins to function properly. The hindrance to the Spirit's flow is taken away. I think that's a a very good example of how it would work in the gathered body. Another is, let's say someone came here with a headache. And they're asking for healing. And somebody uh, else in the body is sensing the gift of healing... That God wants to heal this person, but they feel a hindrance. And then someone else with this gift of discernment over here is saying God shows them that that this headache is actually the result of bitterness that needs to be dealt with. So the discerning over here deals with bitterness. The church and that person repents of their bitterness, and then the person who is feeling led to speak the word of healing that the Spirit has given them is free to move and then we see a healing. A headache taken away. or That's a minor issue. I think there could be a lot greater and, and other. But in this way, in the church, we should experience healing in the body. Sometimes there are hindrances. Sometimes there are things that we need to discern so that God can began to heal in our body. And I believe He would give that to us through the gift of discernment distinguishing of spirits. And it could be also a positive thing. Maybe the Lord gives you a discernment to encourage a brother. The Lord wants to encourage you that He sees your love or your compassion, he's desiring that you would do this. Or it may even be, maybe the Lord gives Joel a, a word of discernment saying that uh, I don't know who I should pick on, but <laughs> that Joseph is supposed to prophesy. And Joseph has been, you know, he's sensed that, but he's he needs that encouragement. And so when Joel does that, then Joe feels free to prophesy because he's had confirmation from the Spirit that he's supposed to prophesy what God has shown him. There's many ways in which discernment in the church is not always negative, it can also be a positive thing where we're rejoicing that God not only showed Joseph to prophesy but showed Joel that Joseph needed to be encouraged in that, and then we can all. Being all awe that God is working individually but corporately at the same time for the growth of the church. Then there's the demonic realm. I mean, this is what most people think about when they think of discernment. Being able to discern between the demonic realm. For example, and if we turn with me to Mark Chapter One Verse Twenty Three. So Jesus is in Capernaum, Sabbath. He had been preaching, teaching, and they were all amazed at his authority with which he taught. In verse 23 it says, Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. We see... Here the demonic realm is trembling at the power of Christ. His authority. And it says, Throwing him into convulsions of the unclean spirit, cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And it just confirmed his authority, not only in teaching, but his power over Satan. It's interesting with Christ when a He uses discernment in how He performs miracles. In one case, in Mark, he in Mark seven, he just says, be open. He puts his fingers in a deaf man's Ears and says, be opened. Mark 7. In Mark chapter 9, he actually rebukes a deaf and dumb spirit. Because he's discerning what is the problem. With the chapter 7, it was a different issue. He just needed healing. In chapter 8, it was a spirit that was causing this. So he rebuked the spirit. And so that's why I say. Those who have the gift of healing need discernment in how to perform the healing that God has given them power to do. It will be different. Because they aren't performing, it's the Spirit doing it. But the Spirit will guide them and give them discernment as to what the issue is. Or turn with me to Acts chapter 5. This is a a very um, telling passage. You don't hear people preaching out of this unless they want to make sure someone in the church knows that they're in the wrong and maybe God will strike them down. Well, maybe not. But... I haven't heard this preached as an encouraging story very often. (laughs) So let's read it. Chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. So how many of you are going to go out and name your kids Ananias and Sapphira now? Okay. And kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Oh, great. He's wanting to give a gift to the Lord. But Peter said, Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to me? Is that what he said? No. To lie to the Holy Spirit. And to keep back some of the price of the land. So, is the problem that he is keeping back money? No. No. The problem is he's lied and said he's giving all, because that's what everybody else was doing. So he was trying to make everyone think, oh, Ananias, he's such a spiritual man. He's he's so giving and loving of the Lord. Peter continues. He says, "...while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it sold, was it not under your control?" Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, do you think Peter just knew this? He just had this intuition that was just... He knew Ananias so well. He had bugged their their house. You know, he was CIA... Um, He bugged their phones, and he heard about their plots. That's how he found out. No, he didn't do that. He was led by the Spirit. The Spirit gave him discernment as to what Ananias was doing. Because this man was lying to the Holy Spirit. Now, some of the church, if this was going on today, would walk out because they're afraid of what the devil, what God would find out about them. The sermon will sometimes expose sin, not for the purpose of destroying them, except in this case, Ananias continued to lie even though he was caught. Right? Because in verse 5 it says, And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last." And great fear came over all who heard of it. It's interesting, they still buried him. They showed respect to his body, which is pretty interesting. Despite the fact that he died in sin. Not really related to this message, but there's something interesting to note. Verse 7 Now there elapsed in an interval of about three hours. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. Whoa. If you were lying to the Holy Spirit and saying you were walking with God, I'm pretty certain you would have left the church at this moment. Immediately she fell at, her, at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now try explaining this to a coroner. <laughs> what happened? Oh, I was telling her that the Holy Spirit was going to kill her. And he did. That wouldn't do very great in a court of law. <laughs> right? She probably had a heart attack. I'm guessing both of them did. I don't I don't know how the Holy Spirit killed them, but... Um, I'm pretty sure Peter didn't call the coroner after that one. They just put her in the ground. They didn't have coroners back then. And verse 11 says, And great fear came over the whole church and all, over all who heard these things. They feared because God had proven that He was the authority in the church. It wasn't Peter. It was the Holy Spirit Exposing sin so that it could be dealt with. So that it wouldn't go on. So that people wouldn't think, well, I can just be partially in. I can't, I'm not going to fake it. No. Not that they, Anders and Sapphira didn't have to give all the money. But they didn't want to give what they, they said it was all the money. They said they were giving all, but in reality they were only giving a portion. And they had lied about it. So when we think lying is not a big deal. Or turn with me now to Acts chapter 16. So we've seen Peter given the gift of discernment. Now we're going to see Paul given the gift of discernment. Chapter 16. 16, verse 16. And it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, so at this point Luke is with Paul, a slave girl, having a spirit of divination, met us who was bringing her master much profit by fortune telling. So this w- girl by this spirit of divination which is not of God, right? Now why Christians think it's okay to go to a fortune teller or tarot card reader or even just to watch movies about these things just yeah. I'm not going to play with that fire because Harry Potter would be burned. And I know that's not popular to say, but Harry Potter is of the devil and everything that it has to do with, I don't care what the author says about it being Christian. Shockingly, yes. She says that it's a Christian parody like C.S. Lewis's um, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, which... We can question that as well. Um, But anyways, because apparently there are good witches and evil, right? No, none of the above. Anyways, complete side note, I wasn't even going to say anything. Anyway, so this girl has a spirit of divination. She's telling people's fortunes. And apparently she's pretty good at it because her master was making money from her. Because it says he was making much profit from her. So what what happens? Verse 17, "...following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation." Is that that bad? Is that a a false message? No, actually it's not. She's actually saying the truth. The problem is the Spirit which is giving her this information. And this should warn us as believers, just because someone can say truths about you that no one else should ever know, does not mean that they're speaking by the Spirit of God. So we need to be discerning. If that person says, oh, God told me this about you, and then they direct you to do something that you know is not the will of God, just because they are able to discern something that is un- that's true about you, that no one knows, does not mean that they're speaking from God. Because right here, Paul does not skip a beat. He's not like, wow, ooh, yeah, I like it when I have a a herald going before me telling everyone what I'm doing. No, he he discerned immediately. Well, she, she continued doing this for many days. I don't know how many days. But Paul is finally fed up with it and he says, but Paul was greatly annoyed. <laughs> come on, Paul, you're perfect. Oh, wait, sorry. Isn't that how sometimes we talk about the apostles? Like but he's greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, what? He knew it was a spirit the whole time. He didn't just deal with it. I don't know why, but it says, he turned to the spirit and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it came out at that very moment. Would Paul have dealt with her if she had just done it once? I don't know. God knows. Maybe that's why God calls her to follow them and annoy him, so that he would do what she, he wanted him to do, to deliver her. But when her master saw that her, their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. So they couldn't make money anymore. This girl was set free. She, she was no longer under the power of the spirit of div- Divination. So in demonic oppression, we need to have discernment, just like Paul. We need to, in our ministry, whatever it may be that God is calling us to, whether that's providing for someone or whatever our role is in the church, we need discernment. But more so, we need the gift of discernment in our church, coupled with the other gifts. Because if we don't know how to function in our gifts and and what the issue is, that the Spirit is guiding us to, we can be setting ourselves up for failure. Remember the apostles were trying to cast out this one demon? They weren't able to. But Jesus did immediately. Why? Because Jesus knew what the issue was, and He knew that it needed fasting and prayer. He was already prepared, because Jesus spent tons and tons of time fasting and prayer. And so he was prepared already and the apostles weren't and they couldn't discern that it was a spirit that needed more time and more of a relationship with the Lord. I mean Paul and his companions, they could have just said, "You know what? I think that's from the Lord. She must, she must be led by the Spirit. You can come with us, young lady. Keep going with us. This is great." No, but they, they knew how to hear. They were listening through sonar, and they could tell the difference between the submarine propeller and that peeling wafer we were talking about. They could tell, "Ah, oh, this is a decoy. This is fake. This is not of God." This isn't the true, we need the Spirit of God to move so that we can defeat our enemy, that this girl can be set free. Finally, let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostate comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. And the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he, he is taken away. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of His coming. That is, the one who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. We are at war. We need to know where our enemy is lurking. We need the discernment of the Spirit to know what is of the devil and what is of God. And more so today than ever, as the days draw near, the devil is continuing to deceive many people that we know and love. Family members, friends, co-workers, classmates. They're being drawn away. Because they have not been given the gift of discernment. They have chosen not to discern, because that is a, a rule that for all Christians. We all should be discerning. But the gift of discernment is something at a higher level. It doesn't make you more spiritual necessarily. It is a gift that God gives. We all need to be discerning because there are subs and wolf packs. Chasing us and hoping to sink us to the bottom of the ocean. And they're indiscriminate. They don't care if you're a merchant ship, a luxury cruise liner, a destroyer, a rescue ship. Doesn't matter. Their goal is to sink every single ship they can, no matter what your role of course, they would love to sink the destroyers first. Why? Because then the whole convoys easy prey, especially in what's called the Black Pit. So in the middle of the Atlantic, there was a an area that no planes could reach because of the distance. And so... In that area, that's where the submarines would hang out because the planes could fly around and tell ships and they could actually drop bombs on some of these ships or these submarines and help them attack them. But in the Black Pit, which is in the center of the Atlantic, no planes could reach them. And that was where the ships were the most vulnerable to attack. And... The submarines would try, they would come in as a wolf pack. They would, they would be coming from one area in the direction of the convoy in a straight line. And then they would find a destroyer when they got close to the convoy. They, two of them, two or three, would circle off to try to take that destroyer down together. While what, however many more, sometimes up to ten submarines at once. I couldn't believe it. So, the other submarines would go around and attack the the helpless ships. While this other destroyer was trying, was being attacked by two or three submarines over here. Isn't that how the devil does it? He wants to take down those who are willing to fight to take out the enemy, he wants to take down those in the church. At all levels, why do you think we see so many headlines about a pastor falling into sin? Or we see this person who has been given the gift of prophecy falling into sin? Or someone who has been given a gift of healing? And then, who are the first people to label those people as heretics and false churches that disagree with the gifts? The devil wants us to believe that the gifts aren't for today so that he can just make easy prey of us. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing churches falling apart because we have decided that God doesn't move like He used to. And He does. And He's doing it. And I believe that today and tomorrow and in the future we will begin to see that in our church. It's not ours, it's the Lord's. He's the captain of this ship. Yes. We each have a role. One of you might be sonar. One of you might be radar. One of you might be the HFDF. One of you might be the messmate who has to make sure the captain gets food. Maybe one of you is a gunner. Maybe one of you is in this role and that. Maybe you're loading weapons. You all have a role in the church, and we need the Spirit to move because our enemy, the devil, is lurking and hiding. He's waiting till darkness falls because then he can sneak in and take us out. He wants us to live in the dark. We need the Spirit so that we can see at night. One last analogy. Near the end of the war, they figured out how to lo- mount a big spotlight on planes. Huge. They call it the lee light. Or lay light. I don't know how you say it. It's a British guy's name. It was a huge, I mean massive, it, it went on the side of a plane's wing. And with that, they were able now to hunt for submarines at night. And it struck fear and terror into the wolf packs. That these no longer, it actually now the the thing is the submarines could not see the airplanes at night. They couldn't hear them over the sound of their submarine engines. So at night, they used to at night, they would come up at night and, and recharge their batteries and get air. Because the ships couldn't see them. And so, and then at daytime, they would go underneath. Well, now they had to switch their schedules because at night, the airplanes were flying around with destroyers searching for submarines that were up trying to get air with this spotlight, shining light on where they were. Pretty spiritual application, right? I think that's why we need all the fruits of the Spirit. We need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the Spirit to be moving because we need every tool that God has given the church to overcome. And the gifts are a part of that. It's not about us becoming some extravagant circus. That's how some people want to label the gifts moving. It's about us being a battleship or a destroyer going about doing our business to destroy the works of Satan in our lives and in the lives of people God has put in our path. There are people out there that are merchant ships that the devil is seeking to sink. And we are called as a church to destroy the devil. To take back what the devil is seeking to destroy. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would seek earnestly your spiritual gifts, or that you would begin to move in us, that we would discern individually as a body, as a church, for our families, but Lord, especially that you would give the gift of discernment to members of our body that we would begin to be able to see those areas of our lives that need to be dealt with. Lord, anything that is hindering the move of Your Spirit, Lord, I pray that You would, through the gift of discernment, expose it so that repentance and deliverance can come. Lord, if encouragement needs to happen, if someone has been led by Your Spirit to begin to, to move and Any of the gifts that we've talked about already or the ones that are coming, Lord, that you would give us discernment to be able to encourage one another? Lord, we need everything you've promised. Not because we want to make a name for ourselves, but Lord, we want to have the victory over the devil. We want to make it. We want to make it to London. We don't want to be sunk in the middle of the Atlantic. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, as we worship you here shortly, I just pray that we would worship you with all of our hearts. Father, we glorify you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We trust, Lord, that you will go with us and give us strength here today, tomorrow, the next day on and on, Lord, throughout the rest of our lives so that we could know your presence daily. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.